accuracy of that system broke, and they started to look for other messages, which was, let's say, Dok Chen, Tibetan Buddhism, the Great Perfection, or, you know, sudden enlightenment in Zen, and Advaita Vedanta, and stuff, non-duality, as they talk about now. But then, the same mindset is now trying to seek through non-seeking. Literally. They just have, they, the same mindset went through the basic typical doing and having to get something, so I'm going to do and have myself into a spiritual condition with, in the hopes that it will give me an advantage as me. Yeah, obviously, that's the bottom line. Yeah. And then, for many of the people who did that, it failed. Like some, I read in a Buddhist magazine once, it was awesome, this meditation teacher who had been med- teaching meditation for like 27 years, and he's having a rash of old students coming up to him and getting in touch with him and saying, after 27 years of practice, I've recognized nothing radical has changed. <laughs> Time to get off that boat, you know what I mean? It's not obviously working. <laughs> so, seek doing and having has been seen through in some areas, and there's been people in, you know, inviting people to look a different way. And so, the doing and having of seeking, okay, now I'm going to do and have non-seeking. You know what I mean? The name of it changed, but the same modality is in place. I'm seeking in a non-dual way. <laughs> Whatever. You know, it's fine. It's just, but the whole point is, it's always revealing what's not so. Yeah. The frame of mind that there's... See, because there, if there is a one, there always will be something to do. See? So see, do, a dualistic... Uh, presentation, which is this. This is an object here in a dream. Yeah. And it's, look at the body. Just look at it. It's a perfect demonstration of duality. Inhale, exhale, pump heart in, contracts, expands, contracts, expands, left and right hemisphere, left and right eye, do-do-do. It's a perfect dualistic construct. And yet, and we've become identified as this, and that we want to entertain singularity. But being this, how could duality ever entertain singularity? It would have to approach singularity in a dualistic manner, which is doing and having. In other words, all right, the dualistic manner would be, all right, this object takes itself to be the subject, yeah? Then the true subject becomes an object to it, the truth, let's say, or Buddha mind, or Christ consciousness, whatever, yeah? Let's say that's the true subject, all oneness, all there is is this empty whatever. And so, but if this takes itself to be the subject, this dualistic construct, then the truth becomes an object to you. You're the subject now, and now the truth, which is all it is, all it is, is subject, all it is is pure subjectivity, not without an other, yeah? There's no object in pure subjectivity. There's just subjectivity. Now, that subjectivity, moving through this apparatus, this apparatus takes itself to be the subject by recognizing the movement of subjectivity. It goes, hey, I'm the one who's conscious. I'm the one, me, Paul. I'm the thinker. I'm the doer. I'm the haver. I'm the breather. I'm the eater. I'm this and that. Yeah? And so as soon as that occurs, then truth, enlightenment, oneness, love always has to be made into an object because now you're the subject. So once you make the truth or your nature into an object to you, you'll never find it. Because like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you are looking for. 
So what's looking is that subjectivity, but you believe it's you that's looking for. And inevitably, what you're looking for is what's looking, the subjectivity. But as the subjectivity is looking through this, it becomes a pseudo-subject. It's an object that's taking itself to be a subject. Yeah. So this becomes the subject. I forget that subject. And now I look for that subject out here in practices and things called enlightenment. And when I arrive at peace, like it's a journey. You know, if when I do enough stuff, and I, you, you, you cast the spiritual practice into a physical journey. All right, I'm going to purify myself. I'm going to walk a thousand miles. I'll reach the spiritual oasis of nirvana, and I will become enlightened. It's failed miserably, because what's looking has been projected outside into something that the looker, me, can find. But all the while, what's looking is the looker. It's just not being recognized by the looking, yes? The apparatus is not recognizing its pure subjectivity looking through it. It thinks I'm looking through it. Yeah? So now, like Buddha said, when you hear, hear. When you feel, feel. When you taste, taste. When you touch, touch. When you smell, smell. Yeah? When you think, think. See it? But what occurs is the head, the conditioned head, what I call selfing, yeah? It sees, or it, it, it acknowledges conscious contact, you know, consciousness moving through the body, and seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, you know, meeting this place, which is projected, obviously. But, so there's the meeting. But the head arises and goes, I'm seeing. Paul is seeing you. Paul is hearing that song. Paul tastes that burrito. Paul felt this. Paul has thought that. And so the object has claimed the movement of subjectivity through it, and it has now claimed the expression of subjectivity as mine. Yeah. So hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, which includes the seeming hearer and the heard, isn't seen that way. It's seen as I'm seeing. Paul is seeing. But if you've been witness to it, someone you knew that died, like I have when I was young, there was a guy named Uncle Fred who used to, I like, he was uh, come to the relative parties and stuff. And when, he, when I was nine, he died. And my mother took me to the funeral. It was an open casket, you know, so you walk by it. And I looked in, and as soon as I looked in, the recognition that happened in my head was, that's not Uncle Fred. Yeah. Uncle Fred seemingly had vacated the premises. The body was there. But that wasn't Uncle Fred. I was assuming it to be Uncle Fred because there was an assumption I was this. So I, the consciousness, subjectivity, was being identified as this. So the subjectivity in Uncle Fred was being identified as this. Yeah? But I saw Uncle Fred. You could take an eye out of his head and put it in a light body that I would see, but not in his head. So is it the eye that's seeing? Obviously not. Is it the hand that's feeling? Obviously, first of all, they know that if you cut off an arm, yeah, the, bo- the brain has body maps. The brain has a map of this arm in the brain realm, in the mind realm, and it feels pain in this arm when there's no arm to feel pain. Because it's not the arm that's feeling pain, it's the brain that's feeling pain. It's all fucking made up. Yeah? 
And actually say the, the brain's idea of the body is goes out to here. All this space is taken to be the body. If you're surfing and you're good at it, you're part of the board. The brain recognizes your body as the board. If you're a painter, the, body, the brain's recognizing the paintbrush. That's why when I used to paint houses, you could feel the bristle cut the line because it was like the tips of your finger were in the bristles. This whole thing is contrived. This is the selfing, a very small mental process that's claim, its whole claim for fame is to be a body. This body. If it would say it was this body, it would blow its, blow its whole story out of the water. It has to confine itself to this appearance of a body. Yes? And through the narrative all day, the selfing, it produces an effect of being a self. Yeah? Almost like a, an intoxicant. The rest of the mind becomes identified with that little bit of intoxicant, and now its ability to entertain peace and surrender gets confined into an idea of being a self, and then it can only entertain peace and surrender as a self, and that's not peace and surrender. There is no peace and surrender to self. Yeah? There's peace and surrender. It's in mind. Peace, not, let's say peace and serenity. It's an aspect of mind. But what happens is that aspect of mind has become identified with a mental process, and all of its ability to entertain has been stuffed into this little box of self-centeredness, and now everything it wants to entertain, or could possibly entertain, has to be entertained as a self, which limits what it can entertain. You cannot entertain the truth as a self, because you can't make a, self, a truth an object. It's the subject of all subjects. But if you want to be a self, it has to be an object to you, and that's why you'll never freaking know the truth. Because you would have to cast it as an object to you as the subject. The thing is, is to turn the light upon itself and see all there is is subject. There is no object called Paul that's a subject. There's just subjectivity. That's the truth. So then enlightenment and all these goals become non-goals because you realize there's nothing to seek. I am that which I'm looking for. Ding. This is seen as what it is, which it isn't you, and then boom, now you're seeing. Not looking, because looking is a formalized way of seeing. How seeing has been commandeered here is looking. We have a prescribed way of looking already called self-centeredness. Most of us are saddled with that right now today. We are looking at everything from a point of view called self-centeredness. Everything is seen as how it pertains to me. All this I, me, and my, it's, it's a, like a constructed way of viewing, called a way of looking. We're trying to find new ways of looking to remedy that way of looking. What I'm saying is there's a scene that's available at all times. Every time there's a you looking for, that's what's seen. Every time there's a you looking for, even when it's saying, oh, I'm not looking for it now, which is another way of looking. Non-seeking is just another way of looking, just like seeking. It's the two sides of the same point. Even when it's doing that, at that moment, all there is is seeing. No matter what your head is telling you about what's looking, what's underneath all that is pure seeing, all the time. Every moment, the most heinous acts, seeing. The most exalted, lovely acts, seeing. The seeing is not defined 
by what your idea of looking comes up with, with all of its fucking opinions and all of its little pontifications, with all of its judgments and critiques of how you're doing and how you're not doing, does not leave one, one, one bit of evidence on that. It's like this. Here, let's say this chair is here 30 years. We went over this the other night. Yeah, 30 years. Everyone who walks into this room says, yes, that chair. That chair's been here. All right, so we're going to remove it. First of all, when I move the chair in, did I have to move any space out of here? Yeah, so let's move the space out first. All right, so the chair will take the space. There's no space now because the chair is there. So now I'm going to lift the chair up. Does it show any remnants? I'm not talking about indentations on the floor. But does it show any remnants or effects on the space that it was supposedly in for 30 years? Does it take, do I have to go, oh, wait a minute, let's build a little thing around here until I get the space back in on it, put the space back in on it. Ah, space! No? No. All there is is to move this. So in a sense, was was there really ever a chair? It didn't take up any space. It had no effect on the space. When the chair was removed, it didn't take any time to have the space rush in. Did it? So in a sense, what was the relevance of the chair? Concerning the space. Concerning, concerning the space. No relevance at all. No space was moved in it when it was, when it was appearing there. No space had to be moved back when it stopped appearing there. There's no history of the chair there in the space, can you? Does it say, oh yes, this is the place a chair rested for 30 years? There's no plaque? Yes? There's no chair here? Nothing there. So in a sense, what are we but an appearance in mind? What is that appearance? Is it taking up any mind? Is it? No. When it goes, will there be any remnants of it in the mind? So in a sense, it has absolutely no relevance in the context of space or mind. Welcome to where we are. We're like a bunch of waves looking at the other waves, being totally consumed in a wave world of our own interpretation when all there is is ocean. When the wave crests and it breaks and it goes back, the ocean didn't change a damn thing. It just appeared did this little thing. You can even write it if you're good at it. And it disappears and there it is. Yeah. But in our world of waves, all we see is waves. And we're not seeing the ocean. We're not sensing the ocean. Even though we're in and of it, we have no idea. All our minds' consumption is about other waves. How are we doing as waves? That wave's doing better than I'm doing. That one's getting to the shore faster than me. Let's go. Let's race to the shore. There's a race. And I don't want to get those shells. I don't want to break that Stinson Beach. I want to break in Hawaii. Why am I breaking in Stinson? I'm a better wave than this, you know? Nobody, why am I a wave if no one's seen me as a wave? <laughs> All this yapping. And yet, we're the ocean. Yeah. It's just a self-centered perspective our mind is in that all it sees is waves. It doesn't recognize what's always so, does it? Even as a body, did you hear anyone complain about gravity today? the cafe. Did you? Have you ever? Have you ever walked into a heated discussion about gravity, the effects of it in the cafe? 
and yet every physicality is being pressed down by it all day. It's happening all the time, so you don't know what's happening. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on. It's like the fish doesn't know it's wet. It's totally immersed in water. It has no idea it's wet. But if you pull it out with a hook and it goes onto the deck of a boat, it's going to be flapping like crazy. It wants to get in that water now. Now it realizes the importance of it. Yeah? So everywhere cannot be recognized by a special somewhere. It's impossible. A special somewhere precludes that there is no everywhere, obviously. Because how could there be a special somewhere in everywhere? It's the recognition, I'm not this, that affords you the vision of seeing from everywhere. Then things that were confusing get very clear. Blue is blue and red is red. And all the gymnastics and all the quadruple leaps of the mind, you never get the bad star or the gold, whatever, metal. It doesn't freaking matter in a sense. You're, in a sense, totally irrelevant. Hallelujah. So when your head pontificates about the terrible condition you are in because you did something or you did, didn't do something or you're going to lose something, it's all puffing and puffing, blowing imaginary houses down all day. Yeah? You can call up other waves and all, oh yes, I'm really afraid of where I'm going to break today. But does the ocean have any of that concern? Obviously not. It doesn't lose. Once a wave is, is, takes that shape, the ocean never loses the sense of its nature. It's only the appearance in the wave. Yes? It's just a movement of mind or self Appearing to be a self. 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 But in fact, nothing has changed. You can appear millions and billions of times. It doesn't make you so. Just an appearance. Yeah. To me, that's the traveling layer. In recovery, they say there are no big deals. But everyone who's been in recovery, every day they're in selfie, they think everything's a big deal. There are no big problems. Give me a break. You think everything's a problem. Because you, look at it. If you have 50 problems, who has the 50 problems? That's the bigger problem. The one who has the problems. <laughs> we think, all right, let me, if I got rid of all these problems, I'd be great. You're the problem in making. That's what you, this is what the mind does. It needs relevance. It needs to be looking like it's doing and having something. It needs to accrue value. When you were a kid, you didn't have to accrue value. It's when you grew into selfing that you started to have, like, I have no real value. I've got to make myself into something. Did you think of that when you were three years old? Were you having these, com- you know, incredible convoluted moments going, oh, maybe some people said they did, I didn't. Like, you know, I have no value. Fuck that. I'm just busy playing. Yeah? I didn't care if I had gap sunglasses and gap clothes on. I'd rather be naked. It was running around and everything. Very, very immediate and spontaneous going on there. It was, the narration hadn't begun. The introspection hadn't begun. This whole partitioning of everywhere into all these special somewhere segments hadn't begun. And the gated community of a special somewhere wasn't built yet. And some of the qualities of that unadorned life were wonder and awe, which seem to be very infrequent with most adults now. So 
So let's say you find out the trouble is self, so then you sign up for a two-year course, how to get over the obsession with self. Wouldn't that be obsession with self? Self can't get out of self. How could a product of a mental process ever leave the mental process? How could a wave ever leave the realm of waves? Yeah? It's meant is to arise, have an effect, and depart. And all the fears that go with that nature of coming and then inevitably going are inherently deeply embedded in that conditioning, the fear of dying, because that your wave will be over then. But the sense of the ocean, how many waves are broken from the ocean? Billions and billions and billions of them. Has the ocean ever passed away? You want fear to be removed? Remove what thinks it has the fear. And how you remove it is realizing it was never there to begin with. If I want to get out of self, the best thing that ever worked for me is realizing I'm not one. That gets me out of the whole thing. Gets me out of having to get out of it. Gets me out of all the pontification of how I'm in it. Gets me out of the whole shebang up there. The in and out are both in the same system. It tells you you're in something that you really want to get out of, and then it informs you how to get out of it, which is being in it. Yes? Self cannot get out of self. How could a mental product leave the process that made it? How can it? There's no transcendence here. You're never going to transcend anything as a self. There's no self. into this moment, when you drop parachute, when you just drop in and you're like totally here not in the thing that there's a better here or not in reflecting there was once a great here, back then and there yeah? but really dismissed from that mental realm dismissed from the mental experience and just conscious or conscious contact it is a very very satisfying event and a lot of your whole dilemma, all of your engines, all your machinations, is basically because you're not satisfied. And the mind's working overtime, grinding its gears, because it's trying to do its job, but its job is never, can never be held as that it's non-existent. It always have to, has relevance. It doesn't realize its relevance is the dilemma. And the solution would be in true irrelevance. It can't picture that. It's like in recovery. People can't entertain being free because they're identified as the problem. Alcoholism is an infected self. That's what alcoholism is. It's in a mental process. You can't take an x-ray of alcoholism. There is no tumor that will be pictured by an MRI scan. It can be a tumor that's the effect of alcoholism, but it's not alcoholism. It's in the mental process. And the mental process is what produces your sense of being a self. So, if you have alcoholism, this apparatus has alcoholism, this disease, then it's going to infect your idea of you. So, as your mind keeps informing you of the idea of you, with all its new ideas of you, and its old ideas of you, which are all old, it will be infected with alcoholism. So, your view, you'll be seeing things 
as real that are false. You'll be in such a bizarre world, false evidence will be appearing real to you. And real evidence will be appearing false to you. And you'll be walking around lost and confused and deep, deep distress, and you'll want relief. And so what happens? You drink and use. You act out. You take pain medication. Even though you said, no, you're only supposed to take one, you take two. Gives you a little buzz. You feel a little better. No one will know. I think I'll take a couple more tonight. Yeah, maybe I'll go to another doctor. I think I'm going to need more. It's going to be a long-lasting pain, back pain, I think. And the mind just goes, does its little tricky stuff, always presenting stuff as false or true, and you have no fucking idea if you're coming or going. And the rooted into that whole system is the anchor is being identified as a long-lasting, separate, independent entity, a self, which is a verb. It's not a noun. But if your mind, the mind, is captured by becoming identified with that mental process, all of its ability to give meaning and to entertain will be taken over by that, this insane system called self-centeredness. That's the hilarity of it, in a way. You go to recovery meetings and everyone's there and... Uh, and let's say a normal person comes in and we start talking about some of the normal things we do as alcoholics and the normal person will be totally shocked and I can't believe you're sharing this and everyone else will be laughing. Why is that? The quote-unquote normal person doesn't identify but the alcoholics do. Who are they identifying with? Am I identifying with James? No. I'm identifying with what's taking James over. It's not even taking James over. It's what's presenting James as James. The same thing as presenting Paul as Paul is presented James as James. It's called alcoholism. <laughs> it's like incredible. It's like one parasitical mind movement, and it's taken over all these seeming different objects. And we're all sitting here, no matter how much we hear the similarities, we keep, keep thinking we're terminally unique. It's fucking mind-boggling. The immunity to any kind of solution that this system has. You'll be sitting here all day, People are sharing your thoughts, your feelings, and your reactions, and you'll still think they're yours. <laughs> you won't realize, how could you have my thoughts? They're not mine. <laughs> they're presented by a system of thought called self-centeredness with alcoholism. The system, if it has you, will produce the same thoughts that it does here. That was the hope of sharing it, that we could come to that conclusion and start entertaining, hey, we can be totally free of this. Why? Because it's not me. How can you entertain being free of something you think you're in? Yeah? If you're identified with something, how can you ever entertain being free of it? It's impossible. The mind cannot entertain being free of it. It'll kill yourself. It'll kill you, maybe. The body, that's his idea of being free of it. Let's end it. But it can't entertain that I can continue and this stop because you're identified with it. Yeah? This is the whole message. I'm not that. As soon as you see that you're not that or entertain it, first of all, what binds you to it is interest and attention. That gets released, and your interest and attention, as it's explained in recovery, you'll lose interest in yourself and gain interest in others. So now your interest and attention will be distributed by a different center, not self-centered, another center. Yeah? And then judge the tree by the fruit. Which way do you like to travel here? Taken over by this or released by that? I see it a lot in recovery. People cannot entertain being free of it because they're identified as it. So they have to therapize it. They have to 
make do with it, got to sort of socialize it, maybe. Maybe they'll have a, a one picnic that they won't flip out at. That'll be great success. And maybe one relationship that lasts a month. And so the hugeness of life gets so small and segmented. Hey, as long as I'm not getting arrested, I'm a great success. Well, you know, on one level, yes, that's true. But let's say I'd like to entertain a higher ceiling than that. You know? So it all, to me, gets to this point of being identified with a mental process. It's a verb, selfing, but it creates or makes an illusion of being a noun. So it perceives the body, but when it perceives the body, there's a claiming in there, I'm the body, or I have the body, as if there's someone there that's the proprietor of everything else. Yes? That's selfing. That's the flavor of it. It's a, it's a thought wrapped with a feeling. So you get a sense of being a Paul, and it's produced by your mind. It's not a natural feeling, because you didn't have that when you were born. You had no sense of being... You didn't even, supposedly, in research, you had no sense of being different than your mother. You didn't see any other for the first year and a half of being, quote-unquote, here. What happened? We grew into this point of view. We grew into this way of looking. And now we're suffering the consequences of that way of looking as the one who can suffer, the looker. They were trying so many ways to get relief. Why not question the looker. If you're not that, that's the relief. And the real relief is from all needing to find all those new ways of looking. <laughs> the biggest relief of all is from seeking. Seriously. You wouldn't think so. You would think, oh, my relaxation is going to come when I find. No, it actually doesn't. You know, that's the, that's the advertising. I'm going to have such an incredible relaxation when I find the truth. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> what you are can't be relaxed. It's, a, it's, it's generated by an idea of time. If you're relaxed now, you can entertain, you won't be later. So is that real relaxation? Of course not. But in the moment, there's no entertaining of there and then. Yes? There and then is what causes you not to be okay now. Because there's going to be another now that you better plan for, and there was a better now that this isn't good enough. Yeah, so this now sucks. I'd rather go back there. And even if it's really good, it's probably not going to be good tomorrow. <laughs> so let me get busy doing what? Seeking. Seeking solace in the past, seeking hopeful hope and expectations in the future. The answer, I know people that have been enlightened three times this life. You would think it would only take one, but three times. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're looking for their fourth time. I don't know. They said, man, three times. <laughs> Why would I want something I have to get three times? Yeah. You don't see it yet. It's in the wanting. <laughs> so people sometimes say, well, if, this, if, you're, if that ocean, if, there's, if this is a huge, infinite ocean... Why don't you want to check out the depths? This is the depths, just as it is right now. This is the depths. This is as deep as it gets. Yeah? The mind thinks, oh no, it has great meaning for deepness. This is as deep as it gets. This is as deep as it is right now. The absence of any need to get anything else. That is as deep as it is right there. Totally free from any need to have anything different or better or worse.
sucks, though, shit, though. It's a, lousy, it's a lousy system. It really is. To know anything by thought is not knowing at all. Really. It's such a weird system. You know, before you knew things, like when you were a kid, you know? Now you have to think about it and study it and go over it and analyze it. And every mo- every act of knowing is more unknowing. You get farther and farther away of the essence of immediate communication by going over it and thinking. It's like massaging it constantly with a failed system. That, that what's looking can be seen as anything other than what's looking. That actually the act of being in this world, this seeing, this feeling, this tasting, this touching, this smelling can have been neutered so quickly by mind by saying, I'm seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, and smelling. So I'll never just look in the mechanism of being for the answer. I won't just set sense that being home is a mobile home. It's movement. It's so movement, it's still. But it's being. That's the act of consciousness all day, every day, is, is love to me. It's constantly calling you back to the basic fact of life, conscious contact. Not the who thinks that's in conscious contact. That's a mental reaction to the conscious contact. Which came first, the conscious contact? I would say that's what you truly are, that movement, than this movement. This movement tries to fool you by making the one a noun out of it. Yeah, But it's just a verb. It makes this illusory noun that causes us to be blind to the verb of living. We don't see being anymore. We're not seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. We're not sensing being on anymore. We're, we're hoping that we'll be really on when we go to Hawaii or we're reflecting when we were really on five years ago. But they're all just conceptual ideas of onness. Onness is revealing itself right now. mind jumped in, became our intermediary, and it said, uh, let me tell you what it's like, Paul. First there's going to be a Paul, I'm going to keep telling what it's like for the rest of your life. Get used to it. This is what it really means. This is the importance of this place. This is what's unimportant. Forget that. That has no value. This has tons of value. You better make sure you look good. Forget your ass. Save your face. Much more important. And it's a failed system. Look at us. We're like chickens running around without a head. Or a huge head, really. <laughs> so now it's getting very subtle. Seeking is now becoming non-seeking. It's the same thing. Everything is... You, you can't have a one-sided coin here. No matter how many times you cut the coin, it's going to be two-sided. Seeking and non-seeking, neither of them are it. It's not seeking, nor is it non-seeking. Go to the seeker or the non-seeker. If there isn't one there, then you're not beholden to seeking or non-seeking. It doesn't make you anything. Yeah? If you have a predilection to seek, far out. You're probably going to go for that. If you don't, you don't. <coughs> but why is this a narration as if after the turn, your head arises and says, oh, I chose to make that turn. And then now people think they're a non-self, which assume they were once a self because they think they should be doing different things than they used to do. Who's that? There was never a self when you were doing all those crazy things, if that's the truth. And there's not a non-self that's going to do different than that. It's 
funny. There's that ride in Walt Disney World or something where they have the the motorboat and there's like eight wheels and then he, you go through these treacherous waters, you know, probably a one foot deep, you know, whatever. Hippos show up or alligators, whatever. And then there's beautiful waterfalls and the, you look like you turn, so you turn into a bad situation. And everyone goes, oh, I should have done that. And you turn, and oh, I did a really great, oh, I'm a great captain. But it's a giant bar. It's all computer generated. No one's making any turns. It's just a fucking story. <laughs> <laughs> your whole head, your mind's narrating a huge story you has nothing to do with. <laughs> I chose, I really love bagels, no you don't. Probably some candida in your body that wants bagels. Probably some parasite that's hyped, that jacking into your head and infusing your head with the thought, oh, I'd really like to have a big, fat, white, flowery bagel today. Why? Because candida, that's its fuel. Yet we have, we're so arrogant, thinking, oh, these are all my thoughts. You, things are influencing you constantly. You know, alcoholism, that's the greatest thing it does. It influences you. It puts a thought in there, present, produces false evidence. You take it to be real. There's a reaction in the action figure. You get its fuel, and then you're, you're off to the races. Yeah? Once the, once the parasite gets its, its food, then you are just like a horse that's riding. You're just, you may be going, ooh, I don't want to do this, I wish I wasn't here. <laughs> you know, you're just, you're just totally taken over. <laughs> powerless. We're powerless over, the, over the, the thought system of self, if we're identified as its center. There's no doubt about it. Do you think it's worried about your escapes as a self? Every escape, every exit sign just is in another room of selfing. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> it says, all right, and it tells you maps, doesn't it? All right, this is the big prison breakout. <laughs> we're all going to meet at 12 o'clock for this retreat. <laughs> and we're, gonna, we're bringing a free person from Tibet or something, and we're going to break out of here. You ain't going anywhere. <laughs> it's just another room of another cell of another hallway of selfing. As long as there's a sense of being an I, and even freedom is bondage. An I that believes it has freedom, that's bondage. Yeah? The freedom is from I, not for I. It's from it. Oh, we're just about to end. Good timing. Come on and sit down for a second. I'd like to hear an explanation of the, the phrase the I'd like to hear an explanation for the term separate. I've heard a lot of people talk about how people have have seen themselves as separate, but I've never heard anybody define exactly what they mean by that. I just heard that word talk around a lot. Well separate is obviously a state of affairs and duality, yeah? Only in duality could there be separateness, because there could be two things. Yeah? So there's got to be a sense of being a thing, first of all, and then a thing can be separate from another thing in space and time, in duality. So to me, that's separate. That's the act of being separate. The mind's projection is you're a thing, and for it to be a thing, it needs other things to compare itself with, 
And in, those, in that world of things, you can be separate from what? Other things. Yeah? So in one sense, it like, Course in Miracles used to have this beautiful thing. Like when I was young, my father got, he used to take me out to play, right? And take me to tryouts and everything. My first tryout prior to Little League. And then he got ill. He got really sick and he couldn't play with me anymore. So my, all my family members got together and they told me, and some other relatives try to explain to me why my father wasn't participating in my life anymore. He was really ill. Now, I must have heard of him and everything like that. But being in self-centeredness, I ha- I, the only way I could actually look at it from my gut or my real feeling was I must have done something wrong for my father not the one to play with. Me. It didn't matter. This is an example of separateness, yeah? So this is one of the nice effects of believing you're separate. So there I was. No matter what my parents said, I still truly deeply believed that I had done something wrong. All made up. Totally made up. But it made, it's false evidence, but it appeared real as real as, as all. Yeah? This is a product of self-centeredness. Yeah? The only way self-centeredness could ever exist is in a world of separation. Because his whole feeling is having private thoughts, private feelings, independent, separate, long-lasting unit. There's only a unit amidst other units. It has to be in duality. Yes, Oneness or no-thingness has no separation. So it can't entertain anything that can be entertained in separation. Yeah. Mind isn't entertaining anything that conditioned mind is entertaining. Because conditioned mind is entertaining separation. It's entertaining that I can be separate from what I want. Yeah? It doesn't see itself as the source of what it wants. It says, I need something outside of myself. That's one of the expressions of separateness. Yeah? Or, I can wait, I can, I'll only know love by being loved from outside, instead of realizing you are love. All of those things. So, in separation, this whole place is like John Coltrane is riffing on an incredible theme called separation. So the mind gets introduced to this idea. What could what it could what could it possibly look like in separation? And it's just written. And people are living it out. Their minds are living out an interpretation of what it could possibly be like if I was separate. Now in the course they used to say the true inherent guilt of us is based on that self centeredness. In other words, you feel like we hear about oneness and the truth and eternal bliss and all like this, but we're not experiencing it, most of us. And so, in this sense of self-centeredness, we believe we must have done something to cause us not to be feeling oneness and love and bliss. Yeah? Which produced a huge amount of guilt and shame in the conditioned mind. And it's basically trying to dump it as much as it can here. So it's blaming you, it's dumping, dumping. This whole world is a place of dumping the inherent guilt that if there is a love and a bliss and an eternity, a peace and serenity, and I'm not feeling it, I must have done something to produce that. That's an unbearable. Can you imagine how you felt when your father stopped playing with you and you took it to be, you know the reason why? Can you imagine if your head, in its little mental processing called selfing, had made up the idea that, yeah, there is the possibility of love, bliss, eternal light, 
but I'm not experiencing it, I must have had something to do with not experiencing it. It's like a situation I had with a guru when I was younger. The guru I met was being presented by all his followers as the Lord of the universe. Now, my experience with him is I didn't like him. So, what, what does that make me if I don't like the Lord of the universe? <laughs> Probably not that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? I had a huge amount of fucking emotional turmoil leaving this dude. Because my head was stuck on, if he's the Lord of the universe, and I want to leave him, what does that make me? Yes? This is, happens in fucking separation. I, I think I got away from the point. But I don't care about the point of, of separate. I like more like to see the movement of what happens in separate nations. In other words, what separation affords your mind? It affords you incredible opportunities. Yeah? It can create incredible mental suffering in mind. Exquisite suffering. Just think of it. You, let's say you believe you have free will. Now, where do you apply free will the most? In this moment? Probably not. You do it when you think of time. When you think about something you did in the past, you believed you could have done it differently. Don't you? And your mind ruminates over that. If I wouldn't have gone to that bar, I wouldn't have got hit by that car. The fact is, you did go to the bar and got hit by the car. You're missing that immediately. But your mind goes, but I had an option which you don't have. See? This is what it does in separation. It can entertain unbelievable freaking things that actually produce a lot of mental agitation, a lot of suffering. Yeah? It's not bad enough to get run over by a car, but can you imagine if you really sincerely believed it didn't have to happen? How you would travel with, a, with the body of, after it's been run over by a car? If you believed that I could have done something different and I wouldn't have got hit that night, then these 30 years of being saddled with this body would have been different. That's called exquisite suffering. Is it? All brought to you by your belief that you're separate, that you have some say in the matter, that you're relevant. All, in other words, when I look at the past, and the mind goes, well, what, what was supposed to happen? What did? And if it didn't happen, it wasn't supposed to happen. End of story. Where else is there to go? Yeah. What's going to happen in the future? I have no fucking idea. But I know it's not going to happen to me. <laughs> so I've lost incredible interest in it. <laughs> Seriously. So when my head wants to think what's going to happen to me, I'm not that me, so I've lost interest in that thinking. What occurs then? The exact opposite of the feelings and the thoughts of separation can happen now. Seemingly in separation, but not of separation. Because your mind has not been divided. It's just seeing from what it is. Yeah? Instead of seeing from what it's not. From what it's not stamps it with separation. It can entertain everything and only everything from separation. And even unity can only be entertained from this, the starting point of separation. That's why you're not getting it. Yeah? It's questioning the, sep the one who thinks it's separate. That's the unity. Immediate. doesn't take any time. There's no process necessary. It's just the mind entertains. Just like that. <laughs> It's not entertaining as Paul, it's entertaining.
almost like that comes later, the head writes the story. Oh, Paul, the blah, 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 blah. Yeah? When you're in it, it seems like it's so fast. When you're out of it, you can see it. Yeah? You can see it starting to formulate. And you know, you've seen the whole picture of the beast. You don't need to see a whole picture of the beast again and again and again. As soon as you see the little bit of its tail, you know the beast. Yeah? All you need is a little recognition, and then it's quicker and quicker. You just see it starting to formulate. It's like the hand that never goes into the glove, so it doesn't have to pull out of the glove. It realizes there was never a glove to go into. It's always been the hand, masquerading as a glove for a while, but it never turns into a glove. It cannot. No matter how much you thought you were a self, you're never a self. It's impossible. I got away from it, but that's that's my take on it. Separate separateness is a feeling which generates all these thoughts, and it's made up because it's based on being a body, and this is its relevance and its truth. You look perceptually and it thinks everything looks like everything separate, and there's things. But can, who's describing the space? Yeah. Do I actually stop here and you start over there? the sky. Clouds are appearing in it. But if a plane flies in the sky, does the plane ever call down and say, hey, I hit a big patch of sky? No. Space lets everything appear in it, yet nothing that appears in it affects it. Does it? You get a 4th of July explosion, does it rip the sky open? No. Smoke will happen, sound will reverberate, but it's just nothing like nothing ever happened. That's exactly what it's like. It's a recognition of like nothing's ever actually happened. <laughs> a little easier one than set, let's say, about uh, where's the potluck today? No more questions?